This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. There is a a new push to address the income wealth gap between white and black Americans in the United States. 90 to 0 includes a wide range of CEOs, including Goldman Sachs, David Solomon, and Starbucks, Kevin Johnson, as well as organizations, including the Wharton School, to try and deal with the issue. The goal is in closing the 90% wealth gap is to turn around decades of discrimination and financial exploitation. The hope is, in part, that it will make such significant change that, from an economic perspective, it may very well increase U.S. GDP over time. Westmore is the CEO of Robinhood Foundation, one of the leads in this venture, and he joins us now. Wes, thanks for your time today. I hope you're doing well. Dan, it is so good to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and if you can, I, I think this is obviously a story that a, a, a lot of people have focused on. But in terms of bringing together 90 to 0 and all of these executives, tell us how this kind of played out. Yeah, so one of the things that was really excited for, for us was actually the process. Uh, because I think we saw after last summer there was, there was a lot of conversation about what, how exactly should our country and our society respond And I think the one thing we all understood was that the response was not just going to be about how how are we thinking about policing reform, but how are we actually addressing a lot of the other causes that that are creating these measures of disparity? And something continued to come up. It was the fact that we have this 90 percent wealth gap between black and white families and how it was going to be impossible to address any of these other issues that we were working on, whether it be educational disparities, health disparities, uh, uh, environmental disparities, transportation disparities, unless we understand the intentionality of how that wealth gap was created and understand our collective responsibility to be able to address it. And so really we wanted to be able to have a, uh, you know, have a platform to be able to ask and urge uh, organizations to act now when it comes to both the work that they're doing within their own organizations, uh, led, by, led by the remarkable work that's taking place at the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business and Dean Erica James and the leadership they provided, but then also know that we need to have a cross, cross-sectoral and a collective effort uh, that is going to include not just the corporate sector, not just businesses, but also nonprofits, foundations, universities, anyone who controls measures of economic leverage in this country needs to be a part of that conversation. So you, you mentioned uh, the, the role that the Wharton School have, and to kind of expand on that, uh, I understand that uh, it, it will be the lead research partner. Uh, and, and obviously research, when you're talking about an issue like this that has so many aspects to it, uh, research becomes vital to truly understand what's going on and, and how you can maybe kind of turn that corner to, to change the pattern. That's exactly right. I mean, we, we have to approach this, this mechanism from a, from, a, from a data-driven philosophy and a metric-driven philosophy. And, and we know that because the data continues to show us the need and the urgency to act, uh, you know, there was a recent report done by Citigroup showing that, that, uh, that racial discrimination across the board has accounted for about a $16 trillion loss in GDP over, uh, over, over these past two generations. And, and that if you look at What's happening right now, a recent McKinsey study found that closing the racial wealth gap could increase U.S. GDP by a trillion and a half dollars over the next 10 years. That's research. That's data. And so the way we want to be able to achieve those, those goals and those aims is by making sure 
that, uh, that we have a, a common set of needle-moving actions that will actually grow black talent, invest in black businesses, and advance racial equity. And so working in partnership with the Warden School on that to be able to have this living, this living group of best practices, this living group of actions uh, that we know that, that businesses and other organizations can sign on to and say, not only does that mean that they're going to be doing their part in order to yeah. be bold, reflective and transparent, but then also be able to leave a lar- lead a larger field in that same conversation. So your organization, Robin Hood Foundation, uh, in, in doing a deeper dive on the website, is working to try and, and battle poverty in, in the New York City area. That was obviously a challenge even before the pandemic. And, and we talk about how, you know, the pandemic has had significant impacts. You know, it has been a multiplier effect in many cases to the negative in many areas. I would imagine that that dealing with the issue of poverty in a city like New York becomes even that much harder now because of what we've seen over the last year and a half. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have watched, I mean, we, we had a time period for last year where we watched 11 years of job growth go away in 11 weeks. And, and one of the most difficult things about it is the job losses that we saw were the most predictable job losses. Um, you know, they were the low wage, oftentimes the, the entry level, the hospitality workers, where it's also been the most difficult for them to be able to regain their footing within the employment within the employment market. And so not only did we see how this past year really created a massive exacerbation of the challenges that we had before, but also it really did also highlight the, uh, the, you know, the brokenness in the way that we were addressing these issues even prior to. You know, if you take a look at New York City, where, where Robin Hood is headquartered, is just one geographic example, where 50% of the city lived in poverty for at least a year over sure. the past yeah. four years. You know, not 50% of a borough or a group, but 50% of the city. So there are hard structural issues that we really have to use this moment to address if we're going to not just, you know, take on the challenges we're facing here, but also really thinking hard about what it means to create a better platform and a better society for all. Well, and if I can expand upon that, uh, you know, the, 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 the number of people living in New York City right now is what, over 10 million? Yeah, about around that, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's a significant number. Uh, we're joined on the line right now by Wes Moore, who is the CEO of the Robin Hood Foundation and also part of 90 to Zero, which is uh, a venture moving forward with a wide range of CEOs and organizations to try and deal with the wealth gap. So ha- have you started to formulate ideas as to as to how to best address this? And, and as I said, there are so many different uh, businesses and CEOs that are kind of involved in this that it, it is – it seems like it's an idea that's going to have a lot of tentacles to it as it moves forward. Absolutely. And, and part of the intention was that this was not going to be about, oh, what can the financial sector do or what can media or what can the retail industry or what can universities do? But these are all things that we think are best practice actions um, that really serve as, 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 as pivot points for a wide variety of organizations. So whether it is recruiting and hiring from more diverse talent pools and, and, uh, and sponsoring the work with at least one black talent in the recruitment program or uh, increase the number of black entry-level employees or your C-suite or your board membership. 
whether it is promoting, retaining, and hiring uh, black leadership, whether it is improving access to asset building tools within your organization and thinking about where your capital is going. So who are your accountants and your lawyers uh, and your catering services across the board? And so these are all things that we know that are, that are, that are best practices, things that are, are happening around the country right now. But I think one of the joys of this work is uh, working in partnership with the Wharton School of Business is to really say, okay, but how do we then make sure that these things can scale? And how do we make sure that these things can scale cross-sectorally? Because that's where we're going to see the largest measures of impact. Right, because this is this is certainly not a, a one, two, or five-year venture that, that needs to move forward. You're talking about you know, 20, 30, 50 years and beyond to be able to make a sustainable change. Well, and, and we know that these things, the challenges that we're facing, they didn't get here overnight. Uh, right. Nor did they get here because of one industry or one person or one element, right? I mean, there, there's a collective, there's a collective complicity that I think we all must own for the fact that we have this gap that then exists. But along with a collective complicity, we know that that also then means we have a collective responsibility. And right. that was the whole goal and focus on how we think about this: is that this there is not going to be, to your point, an overnight solution to this. Right. Some of these challenges are hard; they're entrenched; they're difficult, and, and oftentimes generational. But what we can do what we can do in this moment to be able to reverse that trend in a holistic way is part of the power of what we're then hoping to accomplish. Well, and I think just off of what you said there, that presents maybe one of the hardest challenges is that in this digital world we are in right now, I think the expectation is that fixes can occur overnight. And these are problems that, you know, you're looking to address that have built up over hundreds of years you know, of history. And, and it's it's very hard to change a pattern that has been in place for hundreds of years in a in a week or a month or a year, you know, in that type of time frame. That's right. And and, and for anyone who thinks that these things can be can be solved immediately, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lack of sincerity um, if you think that that all this can be changed overnight. Uh, however, yeah. just because they cannot be changed overnight does not mean they cannot be changed. And that's really the approach that we want to take with this, is that, you know, when you think about every measure, every measure that we have had of collective success in our society, it has been because people have been committed to the long term and people have been committed to moving. And so what we cannot have happen is for people to say, well, that just seems like a really difficult hill to climb. So therefore, let's find other things to do. Let's find other measurements and mechanisms to be able to to take on. This problem, this challenge of the racial wealth gap, it it serves as an underlying rot in our ability to address many of the other challenges that we're trying to address. So this is hard. This is complicated. It is difficult. It is also imperative if we're going to create a better framework and build a larger table for people to be able to participate in these better conversations and these bigger conversations about our future. There are probably numerous things that are, you know, at work in your mind on areas to focus on. Uh, is there a one and one A in this for you personally? You know, I, I think that the, the, uh, the, the one is, you know, first is we're driving organizations and we're driving people to touch base. You know, we want to we wanna be as inclusive as humanly possible. And we have a very direct call to action for people is to say for your organization, if you're looking to, you know, find ways of engaging, find ways of being involved, you know, these actions are right. 
and, and they are for any and all businesses to take. And so any leader who's looking to make a real difference, uh, a real substantive difference, uh, should come and join in with us and visit the 90 to zero website and tell us that you're interested. Uh, and, and we can tell you exactly how you can be engaged. I think the second piece is as we then have individual organizations who in their own way are willing to be bold and willing to be reflective and willing to be transparent, then it is about how do we then work as a collective to be able to address many of the structural challenges that continue to take place. That is how I, I think about what is the core priority is the buy-in. Yeah. And then the second and then the, the 1B then just simply becomes the collective action that we're all not just going to take, but the collective societal action that we're all going to demand. Great to have you with us uh, today, Wes. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we've been doing this show remotely for 13 months. So uh, <laughs> when you get the chance to get to Wharton uh, in the next few months when we're back there, we'll certainly invite you into the studio and have you on the show that way. I'm thrilled to do it. I'm thrilled to be in partnership with all of you, and I'm incredibly grateful. But I'm looking forward to getting to Philly. Wes Moore, who is the CEO of Robin Hood Foundation. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.